Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm some fucking rich white guy. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. You know what? Life is full of shitty conflicts, okay? Do you want to dance? Lassie, or do you want to dance? You really think there's happy ever after for people like us? Hmm? When there's this much money involved, it usually means I get them someone's head. And whose head are you after? Yours. Good evening, Mr. Crown. That is usually a waste of time. <laughs> As is gloating. Figured out what you're gonna say to your board when they learned that you paid me 30 million more than others were offering. Thousand bucks says you can't do that again. Let's make it interesting, shall we? Ten to one? Dummy. That's a hundred thousand dollars on a goddamn golf swing. Beautiful Saturday morning, John. What the hell else have we gotta do? Oh <laughs> right. Oh beautiful. It's the now last episode of Dennis Leary three week sessions. Uh, I thought we were going to do <laughs> Underworld next week to wrap up Dennis Leary month because he does have a film with Joe Montana called Underworld. But we're going to do the Vampire and Werewolf Underworld Thanks, because because be people know what that movie is and uh, it's Leary. for the best. And Kate yeah. Beckinsale wears leather in that, so I think yeah. you're welcome, audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so instead, this week we're and Joe Montana. Did we say Joe Montana? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Steer the other direction. Yeah, come on. We can always do uh, Godfather Three and uh, do a Joe Montana month. Oh, but or we, we just finished Dennis Leary month. I didn't know that Joe Montana was. We hate Godfather you all. Three. So, um, so this this week we're deciding to do the remake of the 1968. I don't know if I'll say classic. <laughs> but it's got crowns and affairs and Thomases, and it's the Thomas Crown Affair. Nice. 1999. Um, titled as a romantic heist film, uh, and I would <laughs> emphasize much more of the romantic in this film than heist, which, while the movie starts out nice and heisty, it then goes into a whole middle romantic portion. Um, and let's talk about how the, all that's structured up. Uh, this one has uh, Mr. Bond himself, Pierce Brosnan, Rene Russo, Dennis Leary. And then we got some other faces that you would no doubt recognize, like Fritz Weaver and uh, Frankie Faison, um, who played Barney in the uh, Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs films. And of course, you can't have these kinds of remakes without getting the original actors back in for no reason at all. So Faye Dunaway is in this. Um, and they couldn't get uh, Steve she McQueen, unfortunately, because he did. Oh, where's Steve McQueen? Yeah, Faye Dunaway was the femme fatale in the original. Yeah. Oh, she played the, uh, yeah, the Rene Russo part. Yeah, yeah, she was Vicky Anderson, Interesting. though. And not, not uh, Catherine uh, Banning? Yeah. Not Catherine Banning, it was Vicky Anderson. See, Vicky just doesn't have the same ruthless insurance uh, investigator <laughs> yeah. sense to it. Vicky, um, directed, yeah. of, directed, of course, by John McTiernan of Die Hard and Predator fame. Um, wow. So big, big action movie uh, wow. of the 80s and 90s director. <laughs> we still got Walken appearing on the show, <laughs> I see. Runtime here is just under two hours at 114 minutes. They spent $50 million bringing this movie to life. Holy shit. And it brought back over 120 in the box office. So I bet you a that is a of that was paying for sex. success. Paying yeah. for sex? For shoot, shooting uh, locations <laughs> and shit. Sex, yeah. Paying well, sex scenes. Yeah. Anytime <laughs> you have Pierce on the cast, uh, you do have to have a lot of hookers stand by. It was that's, probably that's also to recreate true. the paintings, too. Uh, that would have been expensive. Uh, yeah, that definitely would have. Uh, Somebody's got to do that shit. So when did Pierce Brosnan start to play uh bond when was golden eye out i i couldn't figure out it's got to be like 93 uh, or 94 isn't it yeah i was thinking it is 95 okay so, so in the middle of his or near the end of his um bond run i guess it would have been in the middle he decides to do a heist film where he is very spy like so that's why they he got pulled into this i'm sure he also had a production credit on this um, and so looked like he threw some of his own cash to make this come to life. 
You could see why and, this um, movie falls right under that Bond uh, veneer. It's got that same yeah swagger in the kind main. of look, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I, one of the things I was really surprised in my research around this flick is that they've been trying for about twenty years to make a sequel. So that'll be fun to see if that's a deserved thing to bring Mr. Crown uh, back into the limelight. Um, I do have. He would be in the sequel. I think so, but maybe they would crown go because if you can't have the same people, then you got to do a reboot, which means you got to remake this again, then do a sequel based on that new fresh face audience. Has anyone seen Renee Russo in the last couple decades? Negative. Where has she been? Yeah. Have you? No, I, that's why I was Have wondering because I was like, Jesus, oh. has she done a fucking single thing? When's her I'm not last sure. acting credit? 2019 Avengers Endgame, she played Frigga. Oh, of course, oh, she was in right. Velvet Buzzsaw. I'm so sorry. Oh, I right, I Velvet Buzzsaw. I actually, she was actually good in Velvet Buzzsaw. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were joking because I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a, it's movie a with... horror movie with, uh, with like the art um, world. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah, you've Rene seen Russo. it, John. It's uh, interesting. If you, if you haven't seen it, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you don't have to. I, I like it, and Hillary likes it because it's big time art, and they play off the schmarminess and the pretentiousness of it. Like Jake Gyllenhaal's so funny; he's an art critic. But I won't. I won't claim that it's a great movie. But uh, but Rene Russo is actually uh, fitting in that. Yeah, oh. it has it has good. Oh, Tony Tony Collette's in it as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mel and Melkovich. It has good stuff about it. Like it's not a it's not a bad movie. It's interesting. Uh, I could see why Jake wanted to do it, and it, uh, the character it could have been is, way better. Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, back to the Thomas Crown affair. Did you guys yeah. find in the beginning of this movie that? Um, the Thomas Crown character was um, very. I found him very unrelatable. I found well, him to be this cutthroat businessman who's like laughing with his team about fucking over other people, over other people. And, and getting yeah getting deals through and. Uh, well, see at the beginning like they warmed you up with that because those guys it shows him what you think is losing, right? And those guys are all smarmy. And once he signs the thing, they instantly light up the cigars. And then he's like, he's, you know, he's like, uh, gloating's a waste of time, you know. And uh, and then he goes, well, how's your board going to feel knowing that you overpaid by 30? So you can kind of get like, you're like, oh, okay, he's a clever guy. And you kind of start to lean towards him. But you're right. They completely then dropped the Then there's the, the elevator scene, though. They're, they're hammering on this other company that they're going to buy and dismantle. He's like, oh, you're right, though. You should yeah. have had more grit. He's a pussy, and I'm yeah. not. Yeah, why are um, they throwing that stuff in there? They're, they're making it unlikable. It was also I, um, weird, too, because you never see his people again. Um, I found that, like, one of the problems with him is you only see him either alone or with Russo. Like, he doesn't have, like... A friend or co co collaborator or somebody that we well, see him have that, conversations that young with. Woman, but yeah, no, no conversations. You're well, right. the only other thing we do see at the front is when he's talking to Faye Dunaway, his therapist, and his discussion oh, with her at yeah. the very opening of the film also supports that he is a a, a loner who like no woman can keep up with him. And he actually says something that turns out later to be counter to how his whole relationship with Rene Russo develops. That he could trust a woman or a woman could trust him. It's not if he trusts because he never could trust, but a woman could trust him as long as her, um, her, whatever isn't contrary to his own, her like her goals interests. in life or her interests. Thank you. Yeah. And I'd say that Catherine Banning's interests are pretty counter to his, uh, I find at least for the painting. I, I so find I don't, the, I find those therapy sessions though also make him unlikable and unrelatable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it pushes it and then they're ultimately useless because his therapist <clears throat> if indeed that's what she is maybe that's just like a business advisor he talks to but it seems like therapy she laughs at him later mm-hmm. um which is yeah. like totally not cool and um it just all seems to be very useless it's like she's um, titled an as inner a psych- monologue as a psychiatrist so she's the therapist yeah. there yeah, yeah she doesn't that's... act like a, a good therapist would behave some of the time and and like the stuff that they're discussing about his character is so cliche. It's just like 
it, we would have gotten it without the therapy because it's so cliche. You yeah, know, no, they only threw it in to get her in the movie. Yeah, which, but th- it, there's a lot of it too, though. I mean, if you wanted to have one scene, well, we with go him, back maybe three uh, times, at the beginning. Or yeah. more. It felt like more. It's sprinkled like throughout the movie a lot. It's and just also not necessary because to... it's not telling us anything new or that we don't fucking see throughout the movie. So like, like why would you fucking yeah, just exactly. point blank make that trust statement at the beginning? Like when you could just be showing us that so easily, right? Without even dialogue, just the, just his interactions through these um, business dealings at the beginning. If you want to do you know, a little jumble of those scenes like you do. Everything that you fucking yeah. waste our time with, with Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Jesus. It's yeah. not it tons even... of time, but it's just, it's counter. Like, we could have heard that Crown was, like, lonely or whatever, but she just sets him up to be this cocksure, like, huge man who could, like, don't ask questions about me. Ask, like, if, if a woman could trust me. I don't know. I felt like that was all, all bullshit. My I history agree. with this flick, like, I'd seen it a bunch of times, and I always was, like... I don't know, maybe I was dreaming of what it'd be like to be a rich businessman and you'd, like, you'd, you'd have that suaveness to you and whatever. And I think I, that's why I used to like the movie because like, yeah, that's what I'd be like. And people would always be like, I want your time and blah, blah, blah. And now that I've turned into a mushy older man um, and who's a little bit more in touch <laughs> with his feelings and emotions, I'm like, this guy's like a such a cold fish, ruthless asshole um, that no one should ever want to be with other than just to get his money. Like there's, there's not much appealing about him other than he's good looking and rich. Yeah. He's like yeah, really he's a not, dick, but he's not flawed. He's not flawed in a way that I feel sorry for him at all. The problem is not redeemable, with nor does he seek to redeem it. Yeah. The I mean, problem with his character is you start him off in a place where he's at the top of the world. He's also a good looking dude. He's also like, got like so much money and like, like like when when you do see him taking her on dates and stuff it's always these over the top private planes to islands or they're flying gliders so like why do i feel sorry for him and want him to succeed like you, well, you start no him depth. off and yeah uh-huh. that's exactly right such a high the place only, the only thing he has is this um inset boredom in life because he's reached the pinnacle and now all he can do for interest is steal needlessly and um <laughs> yeah he's which so bored he has to commit high crime like yeah none of that's attractive or appealing that that's he's so bored that he has to do that that's uh unappealing no, I, and then and then russo to yeah for anyone that didn't know we did not like this movie uh I, i'm sorry that i'm the one this time i hated it i'd rather that watch suicide kings Oh, well, let's not go that far, but... (laughs) I would. I'd rather watch Suicide Kings. I find Suicide Kings to have more enjoyment through it. This movie had that whole 90s veneer of if you put rich people and opulent things in the movie, there was still that, like, that kind of underground, uh, like, societal movement towards, like, yeah, greed and capitalism is good. And, you know, like that whole Gordon Gecko fucking complex. And then you see this guy and you're like, that's awesome. And you put yourself in those images. And that's why this movie existed was it's a fantasy, right? Yeah. But it's a shit fantasy because you put in uh, the movie, these two completely contradictory fucking um, personalities to what they should be considering their motivations. So what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, it has about as much depth as Entourage. Like, well, that's exactly what I was thinking about when I was talking yeah. about that. Yeah, Entourage yeah. is a, is an excellent um, example for what for what this this is like a Entourage if Entourage was a heist flick. Yeah, this really is like is. a Bond movie where Bond falls in love with the mega villain and they end up fucking at the end, and we're meant to believe that they will go on and have a long, healthy relationship. Like. Catherine Banning's character in this is equally as vapid and unlikable and no redeeming factors, very jealous, very um, ragey at times, not willing to listen to anything like overly emotional. Um, Like the only person we can possibly relate with in this movie is Dennis Leary's cop character. Yeah. um, Who obviously is attracted by her very much and then ends up like having like a big brother syndrome with her. And he can't even understand what's going on and why the decisions that are being made are being made. And when he tries to talk to her about like 
his former challenges with like losing someone he cared about for like reasons maybe in or out of their control she's like go fuck yourself basically and then he's like uh so like the two leads in this are insanely unlikable and i i never believe for a second that this long-term relationship is going to work out um thomas crown absolutely destroys her in this movie yeah. He's like, I found a worthy adversary. And then by the end, she is like shaking and crying and unable to function as a human being because of yeah. what he's done to her. And that's not the basis for a healthy relationship at all. No, totally. Shit. Let's, let's talk about the beginning, though. Heist. <laughs> so so in the beginning of the movie, I was enjoying them doing the men doing their heist. They They come out. They're hiding inside of the sculpture. They come out. And then yep. they're setting up to do do the gig. I was kind of enjoying that stuff. Unfortunately, yeah. it was intercut with all of the Thomas Crown being a rich douchebag asshole stuff. So, <laughs> yep. so I always wanted them to get back to the heist because that was more interesting. But what I realized, and I probably always knew in the other times I'd, I'd viewed this movie, is that he uses those guys, basically, pays them as a distraction, them yep. not them them going in thinking they're going to rob that big room and then and then he like gets them thrown in jail and well, he, uh, like personally he, trips them and then testifies against them yeah he said he's, which... he points them out and says he will testify to get them thrown in jail so like he's using people getting them thrown in jail like how am i supposed to feel about that these are not See, good people. Let's get that clear. However, it is an still, extra kind of asshole move to be like, be the tripper and then go to the police and pull them out of a lineup and then say, yeah, I will. Yeah, I just will, because uh, they are criminals and they're like, you know, doing things that aren't good doesn't doesn't make it OK for Thomas Crown to like use them as pawns uh, to get well, that, what he wants and get them thrown in jail. Like, how is that justifiable? See, I like the way that I read the original did this. Um, in the original, it wasn't art. It was money that they were stealing. Mm. But basically what uh, what the guy does, what the Thomas Crown does, is he hires like four or five people. None of them know each other, right? They never meet before the day of the activity. They do the fucking crime. They don't know they're working for him. He follows the last bag man. And when that bag man drops the money, Crown grabs the money. Right. So he's never involved in the crime. Those guys don't get busted as far as I know. Right. To me, that's better. Right. Have him set up a crime. These guys do the crime and then he steals from those guys, therefore eliminating his liability to the museum and just only making himself uh, a danger to these four obvious criminals. Um, I like that better. And at the end, I believe that the the Faye Dunaway character um, I don't think she goes with him. They, they, do you want me to do you want me to fix this movie for you guys? He doesn't rob a public museum. He robs a um a villain. He robs a bad guy who just hoards art. And when that bad guy sends his henchman lady who he has some thumb over, <clears throat> Crown flips her into living a life of good and no one is hurt, right? It's like a victimless crime because he robs some piece of shit, not a public fucking museum. Uh, and and like rips on people. people who are like yeah endangering people and like sending people to jail on on purpose, it it it, it kind of defies logic. Like, wh- why wouldn't they have thought of that? That him robbing this place, like I, I know he puts it back, but that doesn't excuse what he did and the turmoil he puts a lot of people through. Like yeah. some of those security guards might have had PTSD from the experience. People could have been, been hurt badly. People could have been fired because of or the died. Snafu. What if one yeah. of those henchmen brought a gun and oh, they were like, yeah, that's true too. call them if you like. No, I'm well, going to shock you. Oh, I slipped away and I shot that security guy in the face. And you and know who works at museums? A lot of fucking retirees on a volunteer basis. So yeah. uh, those people could very well like have a heart attack or something from the thing. Like, and I mean, we're diving into that like really hard into the what ifs. But I mean, if you are a rich guy that is stealing like you're not stealing bread to feed your family. You're stealing art as a joy, right? As a and fun like to John yourself. said, like if you're doing it to somebody that we already know is a dick or somebody, you know, like a Gordon Gecko or something like that, like in his privatest place, I'm fine with that. 
I I agree that there is a a reasonable uh, association of of you know a, a badness that we can then justify the action. But here, there's just too much what ifs and and possible danger to people that have no involvement in this and have no business. Um, you know, like oh, I'm gonna go see the Mona Lisa. Oh, I accidentally had a fucking heavy gate dropped on me and now I'm a 12 year old boy with a fucking or I was trampled in the crowd as they were running out or anything like that and and let's talk about the briefcase for a second so so he first of all he goes to the museum and he leaves his briefcase behind and it simply just looks like a leg under the bench that first of all doesn't make any sense someone cleaning that room would have found that briefcase and turned it into lost and found Secondly, it they did would look have like a, a leg, so I can allow that. I know, but it's, secondly, they would have a video record of him showing up when there's only that's two huge. legs. They, they watch would, the video yeah. to see that it's there, and then they're like, now run away because we know that that happened. But I'm like, why don't you just rewind the tape? Because I'm pretty sure he placed it there earlier that day yes, when he went to he look did. at his haystacks. Yeah, because So they would have seen who did it, and then yeah. be like, who's that security guard talking to? That's Mr. So, Crown. So that's a Got huge him. flaw. And then the other thing about the briefcase is... This isn't oh, a Marvel Jesus. movie. This this movie is grounded in some kind of a reality, and they're trying to do that with uh, with him stealing the painting. They're trying to make it feel like it could really happen. Where his briefcase is magic, because first of all, his briefcase is a heater that is so powerful that it can make the room get up to the temperature where the cameras can no longer see anything because of the infrared. And yep. secondly, that that case that is so hot that it's doing that can have a painting put inside of it without the heat without the heat of of the suitcase melting the painting or damaging yeah. it and also fold the painting in half without damaging in a frame. the painting in a frame in a frame yeah that and makes so no sense and it then is magic. to get, it is to a get magic over that later briefcase. when he takes when he takes that painting out back in his office to have his glass of wine and marvel at it it doesn't show how he gets it out of the briefcase it just shows him opening it and then it cuts to the wall where he's lifting up a perfectly stretched over a frame fucking painting. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how does that work? Like, you see him fold it in the scene and you hear it fold. Like, you cannot fold an oil painting that's no, however it, old. The frame would have snapped and broke yeah. and the painting would have been terribly Priest. damaged. I can tell so, you that I have intimate knowledge of canvases stretched over those frames. And you can't break the frame and then just have it be not broken the next second. Just as an expert in the field, I'm just letting you know, you cannot break the wood but, and then have the wood heal. So all of that is a huge problem. The, the, there is no, the, the briefcase shatters that reality they've created and it becomes this magical briefcase that can do many different things that are not practical or possible. It doesn't make any sense. So, like, you're blowing the reality of the situation. You could have easily fixed that by by doing some rewrites so that it would be believable. But they just don't give a fuck, and they're like, "No, no they just go." No, it's go just a love briefcase. I love heist movies, but the heist needs to make sense. If you magic the heist, that removes the fun, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's why I was saying earlier that like romantic heist. This movie is more about the romance and that shitty relationship than this heist because they blow over things. There's other um, continuity or, or stretching of the imagination stuff. How the fuck does he steal the last photo out of that gated room? Because yeah. when the all the slide Magic things are again. closing, it's there as far as we know. It's just when it opens that it's gone. So I call bullshit on that. The whole briefcase shit is a, is a giant fucking mess. Um, and here's something else that maybe maybe you don't think about it. So... Um, he had, he would have, I believe, had no idea that she was going to be involved unless he did this whole heist just to meet her, knowing that she was going to be sent as the insurance lady. She seems to catch him off guard. So if he was going to get away with this scot-free as he wanted, he still would have had the forger ready to paint the perfect forging um, of the new painting that he donates back over the Monet. Um... And then he would have donated that back. It would have sat in there. Was he still planning on doing the whole sprinkler reveal at some point? Because it was very, it was very like, because they were chasing him and he, he was close to, well, we think he was close to being caught. That was obviously a huge moment in reveal. But how is he going to do that otherwise if no one had a clue that he was involved at all? 
They also uh, say in this. They also say in dialogue that it was only like a day or two later. Two days, yeah. yeah, yeah. That he put he donates that painting. So so you're telling me that Thomas Crown's plan from the beginning of the movie was that he was going to hire these guys to create a huge distraction so he could steal a valuable Monet painting to paint over it and put it back in the same place. That yes. was his plan. That was his why plan. Why was that his plan? What, 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 what? Then he well, had to I don't alter know his plan. That, Im- that automatically implicates him as, as guilty for the theft. But and not that. Like he's removed from the theft just because it's back. Like he's. No, it's like, didn't he donate that painting? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so it was oh, him. That's weird, isn't it? But, it, then, but it was, then he had to pivot and have the Monet re recopied so that he could have that in his study so that she would find it. I don't know if that was part of his original plan. Like, just in case I'll have a copy, perfect copy of the Monet. So he had two perfect copy uh, paintings of, like, famous Impressionist artists done in a two-day period. But what was his end game, though? I don't too? think that's possible. Like, so, so why did he decide? Why be. was he sitting around writing? Why was he sitting de- around bored writing down like plans and being, you know, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna like incriminate myself and then pack all my shit up and disappear. Like, why? Like, what is the purpose of? What is the purpose of his plan? Like to ruin his reputation, to expose himself as a thief, and then to go on the run. And like go yeah. to a country with no extradition extradition treaty, like so that he cannot be like enforced to come back and go to jail. Like he's yeah. this wealthy businessman and like has a, a good reputation, and he's going to ruin his plan is to ruin his reputation to expose himself as an art thief. I'm very confused. No, and yeah. you should be confused. You're right for being confused. Uh, this <laughs> is weird fucking uh, motivations here. I mean, lack of motivations. Uh, pleasure seems to be his only motivation out of boredom, right? And Rene Russo, I believe, gets a percentage of the of the of the getting the painting back value if she gets it back. That's what it is in the original. She'll get ten percent, right? So yeah, she. I think she said she got five, so she'd get five million because it was worth a hundred million. Yep. But like, she also didn't get it back, so she would get shit. She didn't do no, anything. The she gets was Thomas in... Crown. She upgrades, which makes right. her a gold digger also. Because right. That's exactly. She's only ever interested in in advancing her wealth. It seems. And she's not hurting, right? It seems like she keeps a place in New York. Uh, yeah. She's all over. She doesn't even have furniture because she's like traveling the world so much. She's so vapid and unlikable. It's crazy. Well, she and she's is. never close to being on the same <laughs> level of him. And then she makes that line where she goes, "Is there ever happily ever after for people like us?" I'm like, yeah. it's not, "You're not. You're not people like us." No. Like he's this sociopathic fucking millionaire, yeah. and you are this vapid fucking needy gold digging. Apparently, a millionaire, I guess. Also, for some reason, like if you're already rich enough that you own a, another place in New York. Yeah. Then you probably don't hungrily need that five million. And I know that doesn't stop people from pursuing, but what the fuck? Do you know what he I mean? He is like, a he is a billionaire. So that means he has multiple billions of dollars at his beck and call. So she's like, Oh, how would I take the five million? He's like, I teach you to hide it. He's like, I wipe my nose with five million. Like, give me a fucking break. And why like would he teach her to hide it? That makes no sense either. Like uh, he he is a billionaire. He could just buy the Monet, but like he's he's so bored, he's got to steal it. It's like that joke about rich people ha- having fight clubs because like when you can buy everything or anything, like you have to like up the stakes or whatever. But that's not interesting. Like I can't relate to that. I'm not in that. No, there is very few people. So who is this movie for? Millionaires and billionaires who are like, oh my god, he's just like me. Yeah, all he cares about is money and he could do anything. Like, who relates to this movie? He has to create problems <laughs> in his life. Fucks. He has to create problems in his life to have some kind of f- emotional feeling. And I, unfortunately, am not like that. I got problems. Oh I got money God. problems. I got all kinds of problems that don't... Do you know what? I do not relate to this whatsoever. He's a cutter. He's a financial cutter or a, or oh, a whatever. Yeah. He's like, he's hurting Harming himself, himself just so he can feel something. Yeah. It's just, so two That's movies true, I want to bring up. I actually we rewatched Nat and I watched uh, rewatched Pretty Woman the other day, where um, what's his name uh, Richard Gere's character is much like Thomas Crown. He buys companies and sells them for a profit, and he's very ruthless. But by the end, 
Instead of buying this guy's long-standing company, he wants to build ships with them. So he's changed, positive, right? Which is all good. And then the other movie that you could liken to this, another heist movie, is Ocean's Eleven, where, yes, they're ripping off a company in Las Vegas, but they spend so much time setting up what a ruthless asshole the guy at the casino is um, <clears throat> and the problems that, that our guys doing this are trying to overcome make them all likable and then you don't hate them by the end whether you like that movie or not you don't hate what they're doing and why they're doing it this movie has none of that none of it this is all about rich people spending their time doing whatever they want to do so that he can finally find a woman that he thinks is a match for him but he proves along the way that she's not even close Uh, he's 10 steps ahead of her the whole time so i I don't get why he likes her i think your pretty woman example is great because the story is about somebody who starts off in one place and, and, and ends up in the other. And that should be every movie. Like your character starts off in a place An where, arc. yeah, where he, yeah, what's his he, arc in he this? buys and destroys There's companies. No and yeah. then, and then the end of the movie, he wants to create something to leave it behind. He doesn't want to be that person anymore. In this movie, they're both just already rich people who fall in love like like at the end of the movie i see like the next day they're somewhere now both on the run um with like tons and tons of money but like the next day they wake up and look at each other and be like we've made a horrible mistake we now yes. are like stuck together and like we can we could never break up because we're on the run now so we're trapped yeah. <laughs> and we're both and we're both boring as fuck rich people who have like we're not interesting. So like now I'm stuck with another uninteresting person. Like his, it, it seems awful to me like his, what happens to them. It's true. <laughs> it's true. His second date, he flies her in a private plane down to his place at the Caribbean where he never takes anyone. So where yeah. do you go from there? Except for he has a closet like filled with dinner. women's clothing. He has a closet oh, yeah. filled with women's clothing and he never takes women there. And then I don't know if it was that's, you or Brent who said... That's his secret. Yeah. yeah, that's his secret is he wears women's clothing and doesn't want anyone to know. So he just walks yeah. around the island in dresses and sun hats and stuff. He's like, woo! And then he <laughs> Oh, the Mrs. Island. Pierce, you're <laughs> so fetching today. And like... Then, and they fit she, her. So the she's not fit her. She's not yeah. suspicious of that, but she is like very suspicious when he keeps hanging out with the alien lady who's his forger. And, that and lady his daughter. has one facial expression. Holy fuck! She's like his adopted daughter. This was her first movie, also, and I, I'm Last sure that she was somebody's too. fucking friend. No, Esther she Canadas. did a couple other Spanish things. That's why she has no dialogue. As soon as as soon as Renee Russo walks in the room, she doesn't say anything, and she just walks around her through the other doors out of the room. Because when she did speak, probably they're like, she can't act. We'll just give her no dialogue. <laughs> She probably has such a thick Spanish accent that they were like, just look like a, you know, like an artistic person. Yeah. Yeah. Don't smile. Don't have anything. Like, even if you go to her um, um, Wikipedia, she's smiling on the catwalk. So it, like, it's just throw her in as a piece of eye candy, I guess. Like, but <laughs> yeah. it's not. It doesn't work out that way because she's not for the she's not for the big screen. Let me tell you. <clears throat> no. No, she's for the very small screen. You know what I'm saying? And let's uh, talk about the Dennis porn. Leary character. So he is one, probably the most relatable character in the movie. Yeah. Um, but but he says something at a point in the movie where I think he says he broke up with a woman. Our our, our relationship went sour, and he beat uh, somebody, a criminal suspects. Yeah. Within the inch of for. To like almost death, he almost killed yep. him by beating him, and that was when he realized that he was fucked up. Well, he should be in jail first of all, um, and fuck him for doing that to somebody. And like now, you've now made him unlikable, like by him just giving that speech about how he beat somebody almost to death. At so least thanks. he redeemed himself, though. I mean, that's the uh, didn't yeah that person th- deserve it. No, didn't he they said they cheat didn't. on their taxes. He or said something? he was drunk. <laughs> and he was like interrogating them and he beat the fuck out of them. So Yeah. I don't know I mean, how I can like him anymore either. Like I, I know it, you you're saying honestly, that he learned a lesson from doing that, but maybe the lesson should be that you go to jail when you do something like that. So if he said he spent a few years in jail and got out, that would make me feel a little bit. Then he can't be a, a cop better. anymore. 
Yeah. yeah. No, the best the best thing about Leary was at the end when he was like, I don't give a fuck about this. And I was like, well, that's fucking dumb. Like, you're supposed to be a character that cares, right? But then he expresses why. And he's like, why the fuck do I give a shit about stupid rich people playing fucking games? Yeah. When there's like, you know, when I last week I saw a dad that beat the shit out of his kid and I saw all these like horrible things. He's like, I'm happy to have this off my fucking plate because there's like real problems out there, right? And I think that that's like a valuable statement to make, but I think it also completely fucking invalidates the movie at the end because why are we watching this? There are real fucking things going on. You could have a real arc in this. You could have a real fucking story in there. You could have real darkness to Thomas that fucking drives him to do this shit, to act out in this way where he's just this rich bored guy and he's you know like it's just not there though they fucking ruin it by by completely removing any evidence of fucking depth you know you gotta figure out that the business is not giving him joy and the money is not giving him joy and the people he's around is not so when he meets Catherine, she's got to be able to pull him out of that and he her and that but, would make something that would be worth watching and lasting, but, but that's that, not that, what we get. And that's exactly yeah. what Pretty Pretty Woman does. If you if you look at the structure of Pretty Woman, the beginning of the movie, he he loses another girlfriend because of his career and his like absenteeism, and yeah. he like leaves this huge party and just wants to go be by himself. And he drives this car that he can't drive because he's not a drive stick, and he's this kind of lost person who's like not happy. You don't start Thomas out. We, when we see Thomas, he's kicking ass, taking names. He's he's like beating people in the boardroom. He's making fun of them in elevators. He's he's like he doesn't seem unhappy at all. He just seems like a fucking prick. So like yeah. Yeah. once again, you're starting him off in a place you can't do that with your main character. They should be starting off from the lowest of lows, not the highest of highs. Like or how, at least they should go down by the middle of the movie so that they can like pick it up by the end. So then I have to spend the first half of the movie watching them just be awesome? Like, no. You got to start them off like, fuck them up. Like, There's Thomas, a reason why you have fun in games. You give us a time to have fun with the character, right? After we, we like them. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But this movie doesn't earn any of it. No, Not his big problem is that this insp- this investigator thinks she knows I did it. Actually, she figures it out a little too quick for me. Oh my god! She, she should have ex- suspected. Like he would have been high on her list because yeah. maybe when he walks out of the cop interview and she heard that he's willing to go to the trial to testify, and then he, she sees him skipping to his car, she should have been like, "That's weird." I'll look into that a bit more. But instead, she's like, "He did it. I know." And then there's no mystery around that. So that we can get to this, not even relationship, just this courting period. And uh, it's frustratingly enraging. Yeah, it really is. And, and Brent nailed it when he said that that the Dennis Leary character's speech at the end of the movie totally nullifies the movie and the purpose for making it and why we're watching it. It's so funny that like the writer is so bad that they point out the flaws in the movie like in dialogue of why the movie yeah. is is un- should not be watched or after after you spent made. 2 hours watching it at yeah. least do that to the beginning have yeah, Larry be how- like uh, look you're not going to get anywhere at the, after 2 hours you're going to be like at best mildly entertained here so yeah this movie was pointless <laughs> the what movie you just watched congratulations yeah. you just wasted yeah. 2 hours of your life yeah yeah one of your main characters goes jesus christ i don't give a fuck about this movie (laughs) yes yes um holy shit this movie looks fine and is directed competently and um i would go so far as even as to say is the acting is fine it's just that the characters and what was written for them was not yes i don't know i don't i don't know i I find some bad dialogue in this movie yes yeah i agree with that I, I hate most of Russo's dialogue. But yeah, she deli- I think she delivers it fine. Like and Yeah, I mean Russo is a competent actor. That's I don't disagree with that. I just don't yeah, it, maybe it's the material. The dialogue it is, it absolutely. Is probably 100% is. Cuz Brosnan ha- too is competent and Leary does fine for what he does. Yeah. 
and Barney. Yeah. Uh, I always just call him Barney, Mr. Frankie. Um, yeah, Because he's always fine. like laughing with Russo. At, like, I look like a fun party. You'll never believe where she is now. I love all of his shit in this. He's a nice, fun addition to when I'm usually going, what the fuck? Yeah, Frankie, what's his uh, Frankie Faison? Yep. Frankie yeah, Faison. Or maybe he's like not him. French and it's just Frankie Faison. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Frankie Faison-y. Um And it's got the bad guy from fucking uh, Roadhouse in it. Yeah, Mark. Oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, he's on his ben legal Gazzara. team. It's his lawyer, Walt Wallace. He also yeah. seems like a good chef. I love how him and his lawyer are just in the kitchen making brisket or something. Well, because we have to believe that Crown knew that they were coming to his house that day in that moment so that he could have his lawyer right there to get them out there of the warrant, right? Like you have to, when you watch this movie, you have to assume that everything that he does is so calculated and that we only figure it out later. I just thought he was such a fucking businessman that like his only friend is his fucking chief uh, uh, counsel. Well, you can't even believe other, that this man has no friends. That, well, that's this guy problem. also also is Jackie Treehorn from the Lebowski, which is probably <laughs> yeah, where right. more people would recognize him. Yeah, maybe than the Roadhouse reference. Roadhouse. I, I Roadhouse. love uh, I love how Jackie Treehorn when he's on the phone draws that sexual picture. <laughs> with yeah, that dick. That's what he writes down. When I he's love on the, the look phone. on the dude's face when he figures out what he was drawing. Does <laughs> yeah. the thing on he the traces pad. over it. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the best uses of the trace over the pad trope, um, which yeah. can be done. If you've ever written on a pad, you can shade in to see what's there, but I love that it's a guy with a dick and he's yeah, dude's like, what? It's so good. Um, yeah. If you would have given Thomas crown a friend instead of a psychologist, who he could talk to and you could get to know him a little bit better, but it wasn't like under like the scrutiny of a a therapist who's asking them really cliche, lame questions, but they would just be like, Oh, you like this Rene Russo character? Oh yeah. You know, like what the hell, like what was the, how do we not have more scenes where we get to know him? Like we don't, we just get the surface cliche bullshit that once again is, a person that we can never ever relate to because he is so far up his own ass and wealthy. Uh, I don't, and like he thinks he's so smart and like he f- fools everyone with the fake painting. And like one of you guys said, like everything that happens was he planned it. And then he screws over in a Russo to make her like mentally like break down. Like, why, like who would want to date someone who does this to them? This movie like, should have ended with evil. her on the helicopter port. Like the guy with the bowler hat turns around, gives her, gives her the thing at the end, and it's like Mr. Crown sends his regards because he fucking beat you. And then she just stands there on the port, and the, the helicopter shot fades away, and that's I the think, end of the movie. I think she that's pulls out the a original, gun. That's how the original closes. He I, gives her a piece of paper that has her choose, and uh, and she cries as she like rips the note up. I think she pulls out a gun and shoots him. Because yeah. she was gonna shoot Crown, and she so she shoots the Crown fake instead. She's she like, shoots yeah, motherfucker, and then she like throws the gun and storms off. Then shoots herself. I don't know. Jesus. Yeah, Anything's yeah. better. Jumps yeah, into murder, the, suic- murder suicide. The end of this movie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's and a better then, representation for how we feel as the audience than Dennis Leary just saying, "Ah, this is all pointless, man." And, and I, I smoke fifty thousand cigarettes a day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And, and I used to like the whole thing with the, the Sinner Man song where, where with all that the Nina guys Simone. and with all the guys and uh, the bowler hats and all of that stuff. But I found it awful this time. Like oh, even, is that because they have to show you the painting? They have to show you the painting reference back to uh, yeah. Crown's apartment. And I'm like, why did at you least do that? Twice. Do you think we're that at fucking? It is twice. It's so fucking dumb. And then no, after driving three, home that fucking thing throughout the whole movie, it's like three you don't times, drive it home like that. It's three times because um, when Nay Russo notices it and Barney notices the painting, and then the briefcase of one of the guys in the bowler hats is filled with like right. about a million You're absolutely pictures right. of the hat guy with the apple. It's like yeah. I don't get like, it. Why did they do that, guys? Because they think the audience is so <laughs> stupid and so pathetic. They fucking they Ocean's Eleven us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really fucking make sure that we understand the reference. You know what the worst fucking thing you can do is? Is to have like a cool reference and then smush it into the fucking face. Flashback. 
flashback. Oh my god. Have it be like like always the minimalist approach to these things is the best. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like just have us just guessing. sew things in. Have things be clever, man. Trust that your audience will do the work and if they don't, it's their fault. But have it be so that it can be an, a real experience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, also, like give some, us a reason to watch it a second time. And then be like, oh my say, God, yeah. that's the painting that he had in his office. I, I was just cool. going to say, when yours more subtle, the audience does get a treat because they do find things each time they watch it. We've talked about many movies where we've seen them so many times and we're still seeing new things. Like be, That's because of being subtle and less is more. So that you make a good movie, but it's filled with like these like little nuances that get picked up um, on pre- on next watches. I I would never want to watch this again. Like no, I actually, can't believe this is my that last I've watched time. it more. I I think I'd seen this at least three or four times. Back yeah, in the me day. even more. You just when I'd you're only it. focusing on how cool it would be to be rich and have this much money and do what the fuck you want. Like if that's what you're into, which I think younger people would be, because yeah. money is money is awesome, right? When you can have whatever you want and take take the lady on the private jet and eat whatever. And I don't take anyone here. I'm like, oh, that's such a sick line. He doesn't take anyone here, and he took her. It's a total fucking lie. He bangs tons of chicks down. Well, as soon as too. he says that, though, he opens up a, a closet with women's clothing, which is why it was funny that he's a crossdresser on this island. And he brings her, and it's just a bonus because now she has something put on. He oh. should have brought brought left the room and then came into the room holding a dress for her. And then when he pulls the dress to the side, it reveals that he's already wearing a dress. And he's like, <laughs> "I don't bring anyone here, but welcome to my party." You know? Oh, he's also, wearing a or he's wearing a, a one piece bikini or something like that. Yeah. Oh, a mankini type? Yeah, no, just a women's one piece. Mm. And they're going to go swimming. But like, and then he looks like one of those old timey divers on the pier. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, whatever it would be, like, that would make him way more interesting. Yeah, make him, make him uh, a bisexual, make him a cross dresser. Then now all of a sudden I'm like interested in his character. Now he has something that's not cliche about him. Like, give him make something. Him, make him anything. Yeah. Anything. Give him, yeah, literally anything. Like, maybe, maybe he owned he that island that they Who went knows? to down in the Caribbean. And, like, all those people that lived in the town were like, oh, our mayor is back. And he's like, yes, yes, whatever. Well, that's, whatever. He, I think he has a meeting with the mayor and tells him to raise the taxes on all of the people. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Like, it's, it's really sad because, uh, uh, this movie is such a steaming pile of crap because of the script again. I have a soft spot for heist movies when they're at least a little bit of fun. And I have a soft spot for law movies, like courtroom dramas, just something about them when they're like good, like when they're good. Yes, they deserve to die. And I hope they burn in hell and all the other shit. But like, but this one, it's not a heist film. The heist is secondary to the romance, which is awful uh, focus to put on the movie. And well, then the when we do get to the developed. heisty stuff, it doesn't make sense. It just the there's stuff, too many plot holes. The stuff at the yeah. end too, where the big reveal is that the painting was there the whole time. They do it through the sprinkler system, washing away the paint. Yeah, but like. He would also be destroying a Monet that's worth a hundred million dollars by like getting it soaking wet. Um, yeah, I think so, it would destroy it. It's oil paints. Oil paints is what, whatever. It's not good for the painting, right? Like you're not gonna no, you're not gonna soak your painting you would never in do water. That. Let's agree on that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 it's just also not grounded in reality that everyone's gonna be cool with this and the painting's gonna be fine. Like and and like they, the stuff that Leary does say at the end of the movie, where it's just like, right, well, he, he was here the whole time, so I guess he didn't steal it. That's not how shit works. Like this guy caused. He very much did steal. This it, guy broke like tw- twelve different laws. Like he would be in jail, and now Renee Russo is also with him, so she's an accomplice. They could easily associate that they've left together. Now they're oh, both. Yeah. Now they're both on the run. It could never go back to America. And probably many other countries that have extradition treaties so that they could be 
taken back and and prosecuted so like yeah. uh, where's the fun in this like i don't see any fun in this at all no no it's like thinking of the movie the negotiator uh with with kevin spacey rapey and um samuel l jackson yeah where at the end of the movie they're like oh you really didn't commit that crime we thought you did everything's gonna be okay and it's like no he still took a building of people hostage and many yes, people yeah. were hurt as a result. So while he might not be guilty of the original crime, he's probably going to be uh, charged with a lot of other new crimes. Yeah, there's uh, still something to pay there. Yeah, yeah so like you can't steal something and put it back and then be like, I didn't steal it, it's still there. It's like, yes, you fucking did. And you put a lot of people through a lot of shit and you need to pay for that. And he never pays for it. Not even hey, close. If you, if you didn't steal that, but you did paint over it, that's still not cool, man. The way yeah. you end the movie to, to make it more feel good is you do make him a crossdresser. And then at the end of the movie, <laughs> that, no, but wait, though. Then at the end of the movie, he gets caught and he get, goes to jail. But you see him in jail wearing women's clothing to the song Sinner Man and walking around. And that. <laughs> and he's going in and getting lunch for in the for, in jail and he's in the sundress. And he's like. <laughs> Like I don't know, like <laughs> that would be better than what there is. Like yeah. I would, I I would like that movie better. Yeah, <laughs> that that to me, he gets to live the way he wants to live in jail, and he's happier because he can be himself, and he hangs out with he all the other crossdressers. Proper. Yeah, maybe too. Maybe that. Maybe he gets a uh, meets a nice guy. I don't know. Like whatever. That's a happy maybe ending that's... compared to what we see. <clears throat> Man, I, I, you know. Uh, well, yeah. I, I think I'm not rushing things to say that I'm going to call this. Um, but in a surprise twist, I'm going to say that this movie does hold up because Thomas Graham is good Whoa. and good is dumb. Oh, surprise. Nah. No, this movie sucks. It does not hold up. It's I, I'm so disappointed in it. And I'm embarrassed that I used to like this movie and watch it multiple times. That's um, what it is. It's embarrassing. A lot of these movies that we we actually did think they were good. That's what. That's how. It, I think that is that gross feeling. Some of the times when we do these episodes, it is. It's like, what did I see in this? And it really was just that someday I hope to be a really wealthy person, and now reality has set in, and I'm never going to be, though I hope to be comfortable. Um, but I like there's just zero redeeming qualities. Nobody I super identify with because even Dennis Leary watching at this time through, he's so into Rene Russo. And because I hate her and her character so much, I feel bad that Dennis Leary is so desperate that he'd be into a woman like this who is yeah. not only what someone would say out of his league, but just not enticing or attractive at all. None of it. None of like her attitude from step one. And he's like, can I fuck her? I'm going to try and fuck her and smoke 50,000 cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I, gonna, I don't, I don't like it. Or uh, anyone uh, in it, anyone associated with Crown, he has no friends. And it's obvious why, because he's a douche. And these guys, like Colin said, are going to wake up the next morning and be like, uh, I'm going to go investigate some insurance claim. I'll be gone for six months, honey. And he's like, ah, yes, I'm going to fucking take over companies here in town. I. So, yeah, it does not hold up. Fuck this yeah, movie. I'm going to say it doesn't hold up, but I'm going to put a positive spin on, on on not an embarrassing thing that I used to like this movie. I think it just shows how we've like grown up and matured and we're not shallow douchebags like we were when we were younger. True. Hey, speak and, for yourself. And, uh, and so, Prince like... Still plenty shallow. It's, it's, positive, <laughs> that we, it's positive that we see the, that flaw in this movie, not negative. Because it I mean, means that we we are we are not douchebags. Like you if do we need still to like make this movies movie, for an audience. Giant right? douchebags who just want to be rich people just to be rich. Yeah, and, and and there's no consequences to that. And and we also know like we're old enough to know that that no people who have money and are miserable. So we know that that's all just bullshit fantasy anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I like Oops. you. You need to make your movies for your target audience. And, and I just who think is this the target audience. Yeah, like, <laughs> like in, Trump, in Trump the year would 2000. Like this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is his favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, Trump, Trump and Elon Musk would be like, "Oh yeah, I get yeah. this deep." Yeah, yeah, deep. so deep. Uh, all right, um, save is it, it my Brent. turn? Save yeah. it. Let me tell you something. I love art, and. 
quite frequently good art and i like love this type of like impressionist and fucking period of art a lot and uh this shit not that magritte is impressionist but you know what the fuck i'm saying uh this movie isn't saved by the presence of art uh it actually is like a bigger level of depression for me the fact that this has become such a terrible fucking way to even represent this shit uh it makes me sad gives me full-blown fucking um (laughs) diabetes the one thing I will say is that I did read that Pierce Brosnan actually did that stunt in the boat crash scene, and that did look uh, legit yep. fucking dangerous. So, like, there's a positive spin for you. Pierce Brosnan did a very challenging stunt there. That must have been very scary. And Rene Russo, first nude scene of her career, great job. However, uh, on the flip side of that, Pierce Brosnan did not play golf and trained to play golf, and he still looks like shit in the golf scene in this. <laughs> So, sorry, continue. (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, that's that's ruined it. I was going to say holds up, but the golf thing just totally blew it out. Uh, Does not hold up, and I'm not sorry to say it. I watched this movie the first time in the theater. I felt always that there was something wrong with it. Uh, I'd only seen it once since then, and I believe that was because probably not having the language to explain why. uh, It just did not sit right with me. So it's maintained that course. I do not have the guilt that you guys have because my taste has always been pure. Mm. Really? Oh. The the end. Oh. Bloodsport holds up. <laughs> I would say Bloodsport over <laughs> this one, absolutely. I watched Bloodsport over this seven days of the week. Oh, yeah. Because it has the fun, right? The fun factor. And Dukes has a... Has, has a does Dukes have an arc? Not really, no. Uh, he proves himself. No, he proves himself sport, and he guys, achieves at the end. Sport. Yeah, he's yeah, he does <laughs> achieve what he was there to do. You guys in Bloodsport. <laughs> Colin, I'm a Van Damme fan. Bloodsport is such a beautiful fucking uh movie. It's shit, and we acknowledge that it's shit, but it's shit in that good way that things can be shit where it becomes Yeah, good there's shit. there's movies that, that are shitty and funny because they're shitty. And that's one yeah. of those ones. The, uh, the The worst kind of shitty is a movie that's boring and shitty. And that's this one. Yeah, it is not yeah. fun. <laughs> There's nothing to laugh at. I mean, um, it's it's just dull. It's just a, such a dull movie with uninteresting characters and, and no heart and no depth. Like someone said that earlier, it's like just this most shallow movie that yeah. I've seen in a long time. That's yeah. a shame. Oh boy. Well, um hopefully we will be saved next time by uh <laughs> by werewolves and vampires and uh leather outfits. Honestly, that movie is definitely not going to hold up. But <laughs> yeah. there's absolutely no way, I don't think. The I don't main think it can but, but what's her name absolutely will hold up. Um and I believe that that guy from uh, Love Actually, the old uh, vampire. Yes, yes, he is. I believe that I do fucking love him in this role. He is so beautiful uh, for that specific type of shit. He's got. Yeah. A, a I think he's only in him. it for like the last half hour, though. He's mostly, I think, a frozen dead guy. And then he comes back and betrayed, I think, maybe. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Watch it before <laughs> next week. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, folks, we will come at you next week with Underworld. Um, Goodbye, Dennis Leary. And man, oh, man, can we be done after this month with some mediocre movies and maybe get back on track with some some good flicks coming in for the February month, so shit in one hand and wish in the other and see which fills up first. Yes. That's the way to put it. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> I've been trying to shoehorn that into things. Oh, I nice. Think I think you did it very well here. That one, hey, it was successful. You. Right thank on. You thank you. Well, cheers to all of you out there. Enjoy everything uh, and have a good time and we'll check you in next week's Underworld episode. And until then, folks, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. 
Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.